0: Alhamdulillah, Hirobin Alamin, Salat of Salam, while a Sheffield MBA, Ivan Sayyidina, when Abina Mohammed in Wala Ali, he Sahbihi, Ajmain, Woman Tabi Ahumi Asan in La Yomadin, Amma Badu Fan Abdilah, Ibn Omar Rodi Allah, qal on whom I call Akhazar Rasulullah, he saw the Faqala who Ali, he was celebrated by Menkebi, Fakala Sabil. وَكَانَ ابْنُ عُمَرَ يَقُولُ إِذَا أَمْسَيْتَ فَلَا الْصَبَاحِ وَإِذَا فَلَا الْمَسَاءِ وَخُذْ مِنْ لِمَرَضِكَ وَمِنْ لِمَوْتِكَ رَوَاهُ Bukhari. Alhamdulillah, brothers and sisters, we are, inshallah, hopefully completing, that's my intention, to complete these 40 hadith of Imam and nawawi and actually the book is 42 hadith Imam Nawawi has added two more. And the whole idea of 40 hadith, uh, if a person, you know, it's not something hard and fast that if you exceed uh, 40, then billah, you're uh, falling into shirk or kufr or bid'ah or something like that. It's not that. These extra two hadith, the objective of it is that in um, in al-fiqh that you know, when you have completed that number, anything which is the ones, right, as we know when you uh, round off a number, right, to the closest, right, that falls into the category of 40. Anything over 45 falls into 50. Anything under, right, over 45 it falls into 50. Anything under 45 falls into 40. So in that, uh, in that light, that extra two, Imam al-Nawawi has a very beautiful wisdom and his objective of adding those extra two, inshallah, we will see what's the purpose. But what does he complete this 40 hadith compilation? Oh, yeah. And I wanted to also add this point is, why 40? What's the significance of 40? So in the beginning, Imam An-Nawawi had mentioned that there are some weak narrations. They're not at that level of Uh, authenticity, to the level of strength. But they are hadith that are mentioned that anyone from my ummah who compiles 40 hadith, anyone from my ummah who compiles 40 hadith preserves 40 hadith of mine, then he will be raised on the day of judgment with uh, the anbiya, with the ulama on the day of judgment. He will be resurrected with the scholars on the day of judgment because his objective is what? Preserving the words of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam and every single word of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam is what is something that gives us life. It's something that gives us wisdom. It's something that gives us life. In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the words of Allah and his messenger to that which gives life. This is amazing. If we really ponder over the Quran and hadith, it will just... The, every word of these, every, every single one of these words would literally rejuvenate us. The, the, every word of the Quran and Hadith would rejuvenate us if we'd really ponder. Nowadays what has happened is we find comfort through, you know, we, we take if we're feeling anxiety or if we're feeling depression, or if we quickly find um, you know, solace or we search for solace for something that is an immediate overwhelming, psychological, physical. There has to be a psychophysiological, you know, domination over our brains that will then give us calm. Whereas, if we would really learn how to connect spiritually on a spiritual level, then the the, the, the spiritual effect of these words have such an effect that even drugs or medicine or any of these would be able to have upon our psyche, upon our, because as humans, we're mind, body, and spirit. We are mind, body, and spirit. And when there's an imbalance in the spirit, right, it affects your mind. And that eventually affects your body. But the root of that problem was the spirit. And we what do we do? You can, you know, put all the, give all the drugs to the body and give all the drugs to the mind, but you're neglecting the spirit, and the spirit is sick. I, would you can somebody see if what the sister needs mm-hmm. so the words of the Quran it teaches us something very beautiful it says that ya amanu istajibu lillahi da'akum lima yuhikum." answer the call of Allah and his messenger when they call you to that which gives life when they call you to that which gives life. So what Allah and His Messenger call us towards, right, this, essentially, it gives us life. This is what gives us life. And you will understand this is when you take away, when you take away uh, this wisdom from someone, then look at their life. Is it worthy to be called life? When you have a person who does not have deen in his life, he does not have spiritual guidance. He does not have wisdom. He does not have knowledge. It is this knowledge. It is this wisdom. It is this this, this spiritual life that gives true, physical, real life. The the outside life of, you know, they say, the the finer things in life. You know, quote-unquote, the finer things in life. The finer things in life never gave people peace and comfort, ever. And this is the testimony of thousands of people thousands of you know rich people millionaires billionaires movie stars actors and actresses where they have all the finer things in life that you can imagine all the houses all the women all the cars but in the end when they lack this spiritual life that is not a life they don't they, they don't they they say there's not it's not worthy to be considered life or they become like vampires right they're uh, awake in the night right and they're sleeping or they're suffering in the day this is this is this is life this is not life where you don't even see the sun where you don't even enjoy the day numbing yourself you know you know this is not worthy to be called life where you are living but you're you're not experiencing anything in this world like a sleeping person Do you ever say that a sleeping person is enjoying? Did you enjoy the ride? Yeah, I was sleeping the whole way. You said you didn't know, we don't know what is the ride. Like just imagine if somebody is going through Hajj, going on a journey to Hajj, and throughout the whole Hajj, he's sleeping the whole time. He did Hajj? You know if a person, he just steps into Arafah? They say if you just, you're in, see this is the line here. If a person just comes inside of Arafah for one minute and he walks out, He has fulfilled the hajj. You bring a body inside and then you bring it out. He did it. Is that really? So when we live in this world and people numb themselves with drugs and they numb themselves with alcohol and they bury themselves in these adrenaline rushes, are they really living? The moment you actually live is the moment that you're conscious in that that moment. That moment when you put your head into prostration, in sujood, in salat, that moment if you are conscious and you are saying, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, O Allah, glory be to you, my Lord, my Lord Most High, glory be to you. At that moment, if you are conscious and you say that, Wallahi, that is the essence of all life. There is no enjoyment greater than that. There is no drug that can give you the ecstasy and the feeling and the emotion that you feel. If you are in a state of consciousness and you say these words in sajda, subhana rabbiyal a'la. Try that. Unfortunately, even when and that's, in that moment, sometimes we're unconscious. We're not there. We're not in the moment. You have to live the moment consciously. Say those words. Imagine and know where you are and make tasawur and imagine that the closest that a person is to his Lord is at that moment when he is in prostration. The closest that a person is to his Lord is when he is in prostration. Imagine that. Make tasawur of that. So with that being said, Ibn al-Nawawi, when you read these ahadith, you know that he is a genius. How he has brought every single one of these hadith in this compilation, and how he brings the 40th, yani completing the 40, of these you know, beautiful words of wisdom from the Messenger of Allah, he completes it with the mention of death. You can see the end. The end the la- so it's, it's very well thought out. It's not just like, okay, random, just throw a bunch of hadith together with like no correlation. They're very much correlated. They're very much thought out. So the 40th, which is basically like the final, and then he adds another two, and I'll explain. What's the, what's the objective for adding this other two? He says, and this is a, Ibn Umar radiAllahu anhu who is narrating, and who is Ibn Umar? Again, I said the key to understanding any given hadith. I said this as a principle. Some of you were not there, so I'll mention it again. If you want to understand really a little secret behind the hadith, there's a little bit of a secret in knowing the inside matters of a hadith. What is that? It is to, it is to ponder over who is the narrator of the hadith. This is the, this is the key to the hadith. So, for example, if, I, if, I, if somebody says, a man said to me, Be careful of who you befriend. Be careful of which friends you have. A man said to me. Now, what if I were to say, my father said, his father said to him. It changes the whole. And what if it said, my friend said to me, watch out for bad friends. And someone says, my teacher said to me. There's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a key or maybe more of a context a different context that each narrator will give, even though it's the, same, it's the same wording. It's the same concept, isn't it? My father told me, be careful who you befriend. A man told me, be careful who you befriend. My friend told me, be careful who you befriend. And my teacher told me, be careful who you befriend. Do you you see, if you think about it, the word is the same, but there's a slight, if you really think, right, think it out, there is a slight different connotation in each person who is narrating. The teacher is speaking from one perspective. Yani, school is a place where you deal with a lot of different people, You know, you got bad friends, you have good friends, you're coming into the school environment, there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's all these other things. So the teacher is looking from that perspective. Now, father, when he says it, father is giving you general life advice. It's much more vast, it's much more broad. And your friend is telling you that means there's something very specific. Maybe there's other friends that are trying to attack you or hurt you that he knows about. Jealous friend or, you know, hypocrite or somebody who is watching, you know, trying to, you know, uh, hurt you or harm you and the friend knows. So, I mean, like I said, it's that same word, but at each context, it might give you a different meaning. So, here, Abdullah bin Umar is saying this. So, if we know who is Abdullah bin Umar, we will understand the hadith then that comes after it. Abdullah ibn Umar was a teenager growing up in the company of the prophet. Point number one, he was not an old man. He had his whole life ahead of him. Do you see what I'm saying, the context? Like, I, this is not written in any commentary. This is not from a commentary. I am teaching all of you and I'm reminding myself how can we kind of get a more, like a, you know, like a detective. You know, reading a hadith like a detective. Oh, Abdullah bin Umar. Who is Abdullah bin Umar? He was a teenager when the Prophet was telling him this. A teenager has his whole life ahead of him. And he is very close to the Prophet. Why? Because Umar radiallahu anhu, he is the son of Umar, and Umar was the son-in-law of the Prophet. Sorry, Umar was the father-in-law of the Prophet. Sayyidina Umar was the father-in-law of the Prophet and one of the best friends of the Prophet and the close advisor to the Prophet, and the family of the Prophet, the Qaraba of the Prophet So you can see in how many ways Ibn Umar is almost like, you can say, a nephew, a son, a cousin, a young student, very close, Khadim, so you guys see now what the relationship is? Now listen to the advice and see how the advice is. أَخَذَ Rasulullah اللَّهُ بمنكبي. Now it gives even more of, how do you say, context. The Prophet grabbed my shoulder. If I, come close to me. So if I, if I go like this to Abdul Karim. Hey Abdul Karim. What does this mean? This is now even more loving, more serious. That you... Grabbing by the shoulder, we see the prophetic way of teaching, the prophetic way of advising, how he was affectionate, how he, was, how he used to teach, how he would give advice, how he had affection. And grabbing the shoulder makes a person become even more, how do you say, attentive, more attentive. And he said... كُن فِي الدُّنْيَا كَأَنَّكَ غَرِيبْ اَوْ عَابِرُوا سَبِيلٌ Be in this life as if you are a stranger. غَرِيبْ in Urdu and Farsi is different. غَرِيبْ آدْمِي غَرِيبْ in Urdu and Farsi don't translate دُنْيَا مَنْ غَرِيبْ كِي تَرَهُ جَوْا غَرِيبْ آدْمِي هُ جَوْا غَرِيبْ means poor. In Urdu and Farsi and Pashto and our language, غَرِيبْ is غَرِيبْ is poor. Gharib in Arabic means stranger. Yani somebody who nobody knows. He's a traveler. So, dunya ka Be in this world as if you are what? A stranger. أو عابر Or somebody who is just a passerby. You are just passing by this world. You sit like a, in, a, in a rest stop and you wait for a little bit and then you continue on your way. وَكَانِ ibn عُمَرَ يقول and Ibn Umar always used to say, إِذَا أَمْسَيْتَ فَلَا الصَّبَاحِ When you go into the night, don't wait for the morning. When you go into the night, don't, go into, don't think that you're going to wake up in the morning. And when you wake up in the morning, don't think that you're going to reach the night. وَخُذْ مِنْ لِمَرَدِكَ And take benefit in your healthy times, or when you will become sick. Wamin Hayatikali and prepare in your life for your death. So a couple of things about this hadith. Why did the Prophet ﷺ say, be in this world as if you are a stranger or, or like a traveler? Gharib is like a traveler, a stranger. Because a traveler, when when you're traveling, let's say you know you have a trip, you know, you go to Haramein sharifain Now, you be very careful of what you're going to buy. You go to a trip to New York, or you go to a trip to L.A., and you're going to stay there for three days, and you got a flight, and you can only have specific baggage. You can't take everything with you. So what do you do? You're careful what you buy. You're careful what you do. You're careful for your stay. You're careful where you actually go. You're careful that you know, you're putting your clock. You're, you're constantly just... You're aware. Right? And this is exactly if a person realizes and he lives like a traveler in this world, what will that do? That will make him careful that I'm not gonna be here forever. I'm not gonna be here forever. I'm gonna leave this world one day. And Ibn Umar actually clarifies, how should you? How should your attitude be? How can a person act like a traveler? How can a person imagine that he's a traveler in this world? How can a person imagine that he's, uh, you know, just a passer -er? he says, this is the way. When you go into the night, don't think you're going to wake up in the morning. And when you wake up in the morning, don't think that you're going to see the evening. Now what are you going to do? How are you going to act? How are you going to treat others? How are you going to worship Allah? May Allah ta'ala protect everybody. But just imagine that the doctor gives you, you know, time and says, I'm sorry, you know, you have a very serious illness. You only have four months to live. How would you live that four months when it becomes serious like that? There's many people in this world that they get that that announcement. They they get that news from the doctor. May Allah protect all of us and our loved ones from such news. But some people say, oh, I just had some back pain. I went to the doctor. The doctor said, oh, you you have cancer. It spread throughout your whole body. You might have another month to live. Now just as a Muslim, how would you live that month? Think about it. How would you live that month? What would you do in that month? How would you be with your, with your kids? How would you be with your mom? How would you be with your spouse? How would you be, what would be the things that you do before you pass away in that month? Ibn Umar said, before that is told to you by a doctor, imagine that yourself. Before the doctor tells you, you create that scenario in your own heart, in your own mind. Before the doctor tells you, you tell yourself. That when I wake up in the morning, I don't think that I'm going to see the evening. And when I wake up in the when I go into the evening, I don't think that I'm going to see the morning. I that mean, that's very short time. One month is a, is a longer time. Maybe you can give yourself a longer time, but I'm just saying is Ibn Omar made it really short, because the shorter you make it, the more the more serious your decisions are going to be. Right? You have a month, you know, you got a month, you got plenty of time. You got four months, or you got a year, or whatever. But Morning till evening, and evening till morning. So then, Mullah Alaykhari writes, "Wadhalikal anna Daru This is because the life of this world is an abode that we have to pass. Wajisru ubur, and it is a bridge that we are crossing. Life is a bridge that we are crossing to the next. السلام, just as Isa said. He said, This life is a bridge, so pass over it. Don't build on it. Nobody builds on the bridge. When you're gonna build on the bridge, the bridge is gonna collapse. Don't build. This is a bridge that must be crossed. It's not a bridge that you build on. This is what life is. So it is necessary for a person that you be prepared for passing this life. Be, be prepared. And how do you prepare for that? How do you prepare? How do you live this? How do you be a stranger in this world? And how should you live like a traveler in this world? He says, بيتدارك amal by hastening to do your good deeds. By doing good deeds. And by fulfilling the rights of others. Not doing zulm upon others. By fulfilling the rights of others. وَطَلَبِ الْاِسْتِحْلَالِ And asking forgiveness from others. And hoping for the true abode, our everlasting life. just as you were we were in jannah and then from jannah we went where did we come we came to this land of pain and suffering and then we made effort by worshiping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then by doing this we prepared to go back to that everlasting abode for our true home this is what our objective is right here what are we doing right it's for our invest we're making investments for our permanent retirement home. What are you doing for your permanent retirement home? So then Mulali Qali says, how beautiful are those that completely put this world behind them. It's a very interesting story, and Imam Ghazali mentions it in the Ihyah. He says that one of the prophets of the past, who they lived very, very long. We know, you know, Nuh salam, lived a thousand years. So one of those prophets of the old saw a woman crying over the grave. She saw a woman crying over the grave. So then the prophet, that prophet of that time said, Oh, my mother, why are you crying? He said, Oh, my son died young. He hardly even seen this life. He said, How old was he? He was 200 years old. My son, Joanna Markshad Bechara jawan after this how old 200 years so then that, that nabi said he said oh my mother he says no matter what no matter even if you live the life of nuh a day will come that we have to leave this world he said should i not tell you that a ummah is coming and the average lifespan of the ummah of the last prophet it will be 60 years she said 60 years that's it. He said, if I knew that my life was so short, I would spend my entire 60 years in sajda. That's it. Because they lived 1,000 years. <laughs> so, she said, my son passed away at 200. He was such a young man. And then the, the Nabi said, do you know that the Nabi of the Akhirul Zaman, Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi the lifespan of his ummah will only be 60 years. She said, if I know that that's how short my life would be, I would spend my entire life in worship. So this is why what he's saying now falillahi darru ta'ifatin how honorable are those people who completely they abandon all the pleasures of this world and then this this, this is not the objective but it's just saying dunya they left this world and they 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 abandon people and they left all of the worldly things and the clothes and the work and everything of this life bal saru and uratan they became barefoot and they became clad in very simple clothes and, and then he says that these are the true intelligent ones al khariju fadlahum and il haddi wal miqyas al qiyas they are people who we cannot even mention how intelligent they were if they really, if you really understand eternity, do you know what is eternity? Because we keep talking about, you know, you hear in the Quran, you'll be in Jannah forever and ever and ever. You'll be in Jannah for eternity. This is so abstract. Do we even know what eternity means? When you die, you are going to be in an eternal life. Do you know what eternal life means? Or is it just some abstract thought or you never even really thought about it? Maybe we never thought about it. Imam Ghazali... He gives us an exact description of eternity. Do you want to hear the exact description of eternity? Maybe you never thought about it, because eternity, how are you going to think about eternity? Okay, it's forever. Well, what does forever mean? Sometimes I'm standing in the DMV line, and I say, man, this is taking forever, right? Sometimes I'm standing, or I'm, looking, I'm on my Wi-Fi, and I'm like, man, this is taking forever. That's forever. When we think forever, that's not forever. You want to know what is Forever listen to imam ghazali explaining forever you ready he said imagine this whole world filled with grains of rice you know this, uh, you know in, in, in uh, science and physics we have mass right you have the volume volume so imagine the the volume okay forget that's not I, imam ghazali said the world I'm going to make it easier for you because the world is like very hard to think. Imagine this masjid filled the volume of this masjid. You guys know what is volume? Right? The inside of the filling, The full inside area of this masjid filled with grains of rice. Are you guys following me? I'm explaining eternity. Forever. What does forever mean? He says, take this. He said the world. The globe. But I'm saying this, this masjid here, this building. This building that you're in right now. Imagine the building and till the brim. There's not a single grain that is left. It's filled to the brim with grains of rice. Are you imagining that? I need you to use your imagination power right now. Okay? Don't be, don't be, don't be at home. Be, be with me here. Don't be planning your trip tomorrow. Guys, I know Sunday is a family day. Don't plan it out now. Be with me right here. The whole masjid, you got it? It's there. Okay, now fill it to the brim. All the way with what? Fill it to the brim with grains of rice. Okay, you got that now? Now imagine a bird coming every thousand years to take one grain of rice and go. And then come back another thousand years and take one grain of rice and go. And then another thousand years. Every thousand years, this bird comes from a very uh, uh, wonderful world, I don't know what world, but he's coming from a world and he's taking one grain of rice and flying away. Do you have that imagined now? Now listen to the, the punchline. Not the punchline, but the khulasa. It's not a joke. This is the, the khulasa of the kalam. This is the, 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 the summary. He says, all of those grains of rice will eventually come to an end. But the eternity will never come to an end. Because the volume of this masjid, it is limited. Even though those grains of rice may seem unlimited, but because it's a, it's, it's a, limited, it's a limited area, it's limited within its capacity. The capacity is, is to a certain extent. It cannot take any more than that, right? But you have a, 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 that bird coming every 1,000 years. That's also limited. It will end with the, those 1,000 years. It might be a gazillion years, but eventually, when all of those grains of rice are finished, the rice will diminish. The rice will be gone. But eternity will never be, ever be stopped. Eternity will never come to an end. That is eternity. That is what it means when Allah Ta'ala says, خَالِدِينَ fiha. Everything in this world has a pair. If there is a day, then there is a night. If there is a male, then there is a female. Right? If there is darkness, then there is light. Right. So there's, we see in, in everything of this world, there is there's pairs. So one of the ulama said, if that there is a life, then there is death. And if there is a death, then if there is a life of this world, then there is an opposite of this as well. If there is, right, eventually end, then there is an opposite of this as well. Allah Ta'ala is showing us through all the opposites of this existence. And the reality of death is, it's not an end, but this is the beginning of that everlasting life. And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala made this life خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ أَيُّكُمْ amala. Allah made death and Allah made life so he can see which one of us is best in our deeds. This is the purpose of this entire existence. So the intelligent one, we were getting to that, the intelligent one is the one who spends this life in what? Spends this life preparing for the next life, along with all the other things that we need. But sometimes we become so engrossed in all these other things that literally have nothing to do with the hereafter. Nothing. It has nothing to do with the hereafter. Literally. It has everything to do with this world and everything to do with what we're going to leave behind. So then he mentions this poem, Inna Lillahi ibadan Futana. Verily Allah has these very intelligent slaves, intelligent ibad, intelligent servants. Tallaqud dunya waqaful fitana. They give talaq to this dunya. And they feared the trials that are coming. fiha Falamma Arafu. They looked into it, and when they realized that it is not a place that you're going to be forever, and that eternal home is yet to come, Ja'aluha Lujatan they made this world like waves in the ocean, and they made their deeds like, like, like ships on top of that ocean. They made the life of this world, they made this dunya, the ocean, and they made their deeds ships, so that they can sail over this right ocean of life, so that they can get their destination of the afterlife. in another hadith, it said that Ibn Umar, same, Ibn Umar, the Prophet is teaching Ibn Umar. He said the Prophet saw that I was fixing something in my house that was kind of broken. And the Prophet said, what are you doing? He said, oh Rasulullah, we're just fixing this thing that's broken. He says, I see that your death might be coming even closer than you can imagine. Death is even closer than this. What are you doing? And it is said that there was one, one of these you know, uh, one of these uh, uh, ascetics, these people had to abandon the world, he, he said, why don't you wash your cloth? He says, I think that, that death will come upon me much, much earlier than that, that I will even have time to go wash and then. And it had mentioned that Muhammad ibn Thuwaiba or Muhammad ibn Tawba, it says that Ma'ruf al Karhi, he said the Iqama. So I said to him, no, no, you, you, read the, you lead the prayer. And then he said, no, you lead the prayer. He said, if I lead this prayer, then I'm not going to lead the next one. So I said, you think you're going to live till the next prayer? So now, brothers, when we read these things, we're probably thinking, then there's no purpose of anything that I do. I should just give up my job, and I should just drop out of school, and I should just come and sit in the masjid. But brothers and sisters, when we read these stories, these were specific individuals in the ummah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given them the capacity to do that. So they can become an example and motivation for us to not have long hopes. Let me tell you how to understand this. The purpose of these stories and the purpose of these people, sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives certain people the capacity, the strength, the ability to do certain things. The other people can't. Those people, they become what? They became a motivation that I should not <laughs> engross myself so much. I shouldn't be so ghafil. Look at this person. This person, subhanAllah, he is, you know, had the same car for the past 15 years. Why do I need a, a new car every single year? Right? This person, he, he's, you know, he doesn't waste anything. He suffices on one piece of bread, and why am I going and becoming so extravagant? The, the objective of, it, of this is, is not that you actually give up everything, sell your job, drop out of school. This is not what this is teaching. But these people, they motivate us that, hey, man, look at the type, the, the type of people that were. You can't even come for a salat. You can't even have like, that much motivation that I, I miss like, tomorrow, I miss today's Fajr. I might not see the evening. This could be my last prayer. This could be my last Fajr. So my point is that when we look at the stories of these people, we don't look at them and try to become them. Look at them and motivate yourself within your own capacity. Like, hey man, I can't even come to the masjid for Fajr. Look at what these people were able to do. That's it. That's what they are for. Not for exact imitation. You know when some of the magicians, they do like magic? And then they say, you know, kids, don't try this at home. This is a, you know, I'm a a professional. Don't try to go and actually cut yourself in, in half with a with a, with a saw, with an electric saw. He puts himself, yeah, no, this is what they do. Then they're trained. They're showing you something. These awliya were trained. They this was their practice. They lived this. This was this was a seed that was planted in their heart for many from way before. Sometimes I know people, they always say, Why wasn't I like that? na Allah chose you for something else. Allah chose you for another. All of us have one purpose, the obedience and the worship of Allah. This is on another level. This is not absolutely required from everybody. Actually, this is not the sunnah. Now, the question is if it's not the sunnah, why did they do it? Because there was a a, a very heavy reality that had dawned upon them. This was It was a heavy reality that had dawned upon them. Imagine like, let's say you're reading an ayah of Quran. You're reading an ayah of Qur'an about Jah- Jahannam, and you start crying. <laughs> and you're just crying. That doesn't mean you're always going to cry. That, at that moment, a hal came over you. Thinking about the hellfire, thinking about the Akhirah, thinking about standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? A hal came over you. So these people, a hal had come over them. A hal means a condition had come over them. That condition compelled them to live the way they lived. So, we cannot say that they are against the sunnah, but we can't say they're outside of the sunnah. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't say they're doing the exact sunnah, but at the same time, they're not against the sunnah. But a hal has come over them. And my understanding about these people, because you'll read their stories, and some people dismiss the stories and say, these people are just, they're gumra. They're just like misguided. They're deviant. They'll read. The stories of these people is in the Ahya These were the Sufis. These were the mashayikh. These were the Ahl al-Tasawwuf. These were the ascetics. These were the people who gave up this this dunya. And these were the people of aql. Imam Imam al-Shafi'i said, If a person takes a qasam, or a person makes a wasiyat, let's say a person is writing a wasiyat, I want one-third of my wealth to go to the most intelligent people. Now as a faqih. As a mufti, who would you give that wasiyat of one-third to? What time is it? <sighs> mega, three minutes. Yaki mega, ten minutes. Yaki mega, fifteen minutes. <laughs> Nine-fifteen. Nine okay. Ayman, what are you telling me? One is saying ten minutes, another is saying fifteen minutes. You want me to finish fast? You want me to just close case right here? I'm going to go another half hour. We're going to delay today. I have three more hadiths left. I just started. Jazakallah khair. That's the right answer. So now I'm going to finish, inshallah. Just I'm going to uh, summarize it here. So Allah Azza wajal had made these people as those who had made a realization about the haqiqah and the reality of this life, that the life is very short, and if the life is so short, then we should dedicate this life to what is the purpose of life. So Imam al-Shafi'i, there was a mas'ala that if a person made a wasiyat that give my one-third, this is a riddle. How are you going to solve this riddle? I'm writing a wasiyah. Give my one-third of my mal to the most a'qal an Awsa, awsa thuluth I give wasiyah of one-third of my wealth to a'qal al nas Who would that be? So Imam Shafi'i, he solved this riddle. And he said, it's to the zuhad. The zuhad. The zuhad, the people who have abandoned the life of this world. A person who is zahid, a person who doesn't care. Like Owais al-Qarni. Owais al-Qarni was a person. He lived in a very small hut. He just had one shawl and one izar that he would wear and he just had very simple life, and he had a mother, he would make his, her khidmat, and that said, he had nothing else in this world. Maybe, a, 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 you know, but my point is, it's not binding that we follow that, it's binding that we follow the sunnah, but there are certain people that Allah Azza brings that reality upon their heart, so that they become a motivation and example that, SubhanAllah, look at these people. And we go and we, we learn from them and we take guidance from them and we motivate ourselves that if I'm not able to wake up for Fajr, I look at that person, I say, man, look at this guy. If I'm not able to, for example, fulfill the rights of my, you know, deen, I haven't gone for hajj or I haven't fulfilled my deeny responsibilities or I'm having a hard time, you know, praying or I'm having a hard time to stay away from haram or I'm overwhelmed with my worldly things, I look at those people and I say, subhanAllah, these are an example. These are an example of the real, how do you say, people of Allah who have realized that the purpose of this life is, I did not create jinn and ins except but to worship me. These are the people who are doing that example. May Allah give us a tawfiq to understand what has been said. Looks like we're going to need a couple of more days. Today I had intended to uh, finish these 40 hadiths, but Two more just came out of here. So we're going to, inshallah, have two more. I think there's more sessions that are needed. And I think the time between Maghrib and Isha is, seems even shorter now. It's a very short time. Yeah, by September we'll be done, inshallah, By like this. We'll be done by September. Inshallah, after, after this, then we will do, um, we will do uh, after Isha. After this book is completed, inshallah, we'll do the Darse Hadith after Isha.